okay. <laughs> Are you trying to sound deeper? No. Oh, that's just it's how it sounds now? It just came out cracky. Oh, mm-hmm. I see, I see, I see. Gotcha. Correctly. What's oh. up? How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. How's your week? I don't know. Anymore, I feel like I'm just always exhausted. Because <laughs> you don't really sleep. Yeah. Cool. How are you? How was your week? Good. Found out our Funkos are worth a ton of money. Yeah. Who I knew? I honestly, before you and I got together, I talked to you about this, but I was literally just going to take them to Goodwill and just get rid of them because I didn't... Here's the thing. <laughs> a lot of my friends were just like, okay, Sammy, you have kids' toys in your house. And I right. was like, ah, but I love them. They're so cool. So then I felt like I couldn't be a grown-up with them. And right. then we got together and you were totally cool with it. So I kept them. And I'm glad I did instead of dropping them off to Goodwill. Yeah, if you're into, like, out of the 20 people who listen to this, <laughs> if you're into Funko Pops, uh, you can get their app and scan the ones that you have and they'll tell you how much they're worth. Yeah. Uh, turns out a couple that Sammy has that she paid like 10 bucks for at the store are now worth like 500. Yeah. Bananas. Super bananas. Super exciting at the same time too. Super weird. What a weird thing. Super weird. Yeah. But. Cool. Well my week was the same as you always. You fixed up the camper. It I'm looks so good. It. Yep. We're working on it. Yep. Slowly getting back to normal. Slowly but surely. Yep. Oh, I cut off all my hair. Yeah. I hate it. It's weird because I just feel like I have my hair in a bun all the time, which is what I used to do anyways. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't feel any different until I look in the mirror and I'm like, ugh. It's not ugh. I don't like it. Why? (laughs) I just don't. She's gendering hair lately. Mm. I either look like a boy or I look like a Karen. (laughs) That's it. That's what I look like. Uh, I don't think so. I think you look great. I love it. Thanks. You're welcome. My number one fan. What are we talking about today? Spoopy things. People? Spoopy things. People, I'm, places. Things. All the things, babe. Well, everything. She thinks she Mine's knows what I'm talking about. kind of like spooky with true crime in it. Cool. Yeah. Saturate it more. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's basically a little bit of everything because I talk a little bit about the true crime because you have to when it gets brought up, you know? Cool. Let's go. Um, I'm talking about psychic medium and author Alison Dubois. Cool. She was born January 24th, 1972 in Phoenix, Arizona. And I picked her because I Googled like famous psychic mediums. And she was one of the ones that popped up a lot. Mm-hmm. And you'll see why in a second. She prefers to refer to herself as a medium and profiler rather than psychic because of the negative connotations that come with psychic or whatever. Sure. So she's been aware of this ability to communicate with the deceased since she was six. Wow. Which was her first interaction of talking to a dead person mm-hmm. was with her grandfather when he died. Cool. He, like, came to her at the foot of her bed and asked her to tell her mom that he was okay. So she did. She went to her mom and she's like, hey, granddad says he's okay. And her mom was like, don't be lying, Allison. Don't be a little liar. So she didn't believe her. Big bummer. Uh, But apparently Allison's maternal grandmother also claimed to be a medium as well as her three, like, Allison's three daughters. Dollars. And dollars. (laughs) (laughs) Um. 
So she thinks it's genetic, and her mom had it and just was, like, in huge denial. Makes me think of Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Like, the Dursleys. Anyways, she apparently would play games with her grandmother to kind of, like, hone in on the, her psychic abilities. Like, her ma- grandmother that's was, like, cool. nurturing it. Yeah. So that's super cool. Um, unfortunately, her parents, Mike Gomez and Tiana... Dubois divorced when she was young. Allison's mom, Tiana, remarried when Allison was 12. And she talks all about her childhood in the hundreds of books that she's written. So if you're interested, I will list those below at the end of this episode. Can I name all hundreds? There's only like five. Oh. I'm being dramatic. Because <laughs> oh, my guy does have hundreds. Oh. And I'm like, I'm not listing any of those. <laughs> There's only five. She attended North High School in Phoenix and Corona del Sol High School in Tempe, though she ended up dropping out, but she did get her GED at 16, which is quite impressive, I think, for a 16-year-old. Yeah. Um, She then went to college at Arizona State University and got her bachelor's in political science, during which she worked as an intern for the district attorney's office in Phoenix. Dope. So at a pretty good start there, I think. Yeah. Uh, Now, as an adult, you may ask, what does Allison do? What she said she did. She is a medium and profiler. And she probably works with police departments. I bet she inspired medium, the show. I hate you. Is that right? Yes. What else is she going <laughs> to inspire? I don't know. <laughs> um, that was like her your, your one hint for me before we did this. Well, let's talk about what she's inspired. So she still connects um, living folk to their dead relatives or whatever but she also as you guessed helps law enforcement agencies such as the texas rangers and glendale arizona police department with solving some of their crimes she also uses her abilities as a jury consultant let's talk about the crimes that she helped solve allison claims to have helped law enforcement with murder investigations and missing persons cases for years hoping that any information that she can kind of uncover with her abilities will help them in ways that like regular evidence couldn't allison reached out to phoenix police department in the summer of 2006 when they were dealing with a lot of shit i'm sure phoenix is probably always dealing with a lot of shit it's fucking phoenix So at that time, they had two serial killers, one violent rapist, and a shooter that would just kill people at random. Wow. So like a spree shooter. Yeah. Along with all the other, like I said, not front page crimes that they were dealing with. So they were a little busy. So naturally, for the larger cases, the Phoenix Police Department had tip lines to get any information. And according to PhoenixNewTimes.com, which article or whatever I found on PhoenixNewTimes.com was like, it was like a six hour read. There was wow. no, it was so long. I like skimmed barely the surface. So yeah. if you're really interested in this, it, it goes way more in depth with more than just this. Cause I basically was just going into the true crime portion of what it had. It went right. into like her childhood and like all these things. And I'm like, eh, if you really want to get into that stuff, you can read her books or do some more on that. But like, right. I'm more interested in like the true crime stuff that she helped with. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. So Allison reached out to that to the Phoenix Police Department and they were like, okay, we'll listen to what you have. And at the time, that that time, the second season of Medium had come out. So officers have been familiar with her work. They knew that she was the inspiration of this TV sure. show. Um, she had worked with uh, officers in the past, but not this particular agency, I don't believe. And if so, I don't know. Anyways, 
Detective Alex Femenia, who was the lead investigator in the, quote, baseline killer case, was getting nowhere with his investigation, even with tips. And I just want to say real quick that it was very difficult for me to find any information on the crimes that she's helped supposedly solve, except for the phoenixnewtimes.com. Okay. Because if you try to look it up on, like, law enforcement side, there's nothing. There's literally nothing. I only have this one source for this stuff. So, anyways, Allison only reached out to him because a mutual friend of the county attorney's office asked her to. And then the baseline killer, I'm just going to briefly talk about what he is and stuff like that. He ended up being convicted a man named Mark Godot. His crimes first started as rapes, and then he was referred to as the baseline rapist at first. But then he was turned into a murderer, Mm -hmm. kind of like the Night Stalker. He is believed to have committed, get this, nine murders, eight women and one man, 15 sexual assaults on women and young girls, 11 kidnappings, and other various armed robberies. Lord. Yeah. Originally, it's so much. Yeah. Originally, his crimes were not linked, so it was looked that they were having two separate serial killers. However, it was just Mark despite a lot of people not believing it was him. Wow. Like, there was a lot of controversy being like, oh, no, it couldn't have been him, blah, blah, blah. He's doing all these things, you know. There's always that. But he was linked to the crimes because of DNA evidence. So it's like, I don't know if you can really fight that. Yeah, it's Um, like, I'm not sure, OJ. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So in three separate interviews, Allison had mentioned that the baseline killer, um, this is before or maybe when she was working with the police officer, department either way she was interviewed by the media and she said that the baseline killer had possibly fled to california after his rampage or whatever Mm -hmm. he had facial features not tied to any race and his skin was dark but not really like black complexion so mixed or something sure um he apparently had mommy issues even though that's not what she called it uh his hair was long enough to tuck under a cap like me and would be arrested in august so that's where she, like, foretold for this one murderer. Okay. Um, so Mark, the guy who was convicted, he was a lighter-skinned black male with shorter hair. So I guess that's pretty accurate. However, he was arrested in September, not August, although it was beginning September, like, very okay. early September. And he was arrested in Phoenix while he was at work. He was a construction worker. So not in California. Yeah. So eh, kind of some... <laughs> Not so good things. Sure. There was some a second suspect who was named Terry Wayne Smith. He was also a black male, and he matched the description of the killer. He had histories of violent crimes in both California and Arizona, but he was at jail during the time of one of the murders and was arrested shortly after Mark for holding his family at gunpoint. Eek. Yeah, so not a good guy. No. Could have been, could have not been. There wasn't any evidence to tie him to it. That was just one of the suspects, though. Hmm. So, I thought it was interesting that he's tied to California and she pulled some California vibes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Who knows? When it comes to the serial shooter, though, when I previously was listing the crimes that Phoenix was talking about, um, Allison states that she couldn't get much info to help the police because she didn't, like, I'm sorry, the shooter didn't make contact with his victims. And apparently that's how she would see and get, like, information is that she would profile people by getting inside the head of both the criminals and the victims. So I guess that means that her victims had to have some, like, contact to get into their heads. Okay. I don't know. It doesn't really make sense to me that she, like, couldn't get into this person's head, but she got into the other person's head. Okay. Of the set. You know what I mean? Sure. It's kind of weird. Yeah. But I guess I don't know how it works. Okay. I am not her. 
So, in August of 2006, two men got arrested for the serial shootings, uh, Dale Hosner and Samuel Dietman, and they were charged and convicted and stuff. Um, so, maybe she confused their arrests for August. Sure. Okay. Uh, since they had a lot yeah. going on, maybe she was just kind of, like, getting all this mixed information. Yeah. I have no idea. Anyways, a Sergeant Andy Hill from the Phoenix Police Department states that according to lead investigator and lead supervisor, Allison had nothing to do with the catching of Mark, the first guy, or any other parties that they were investigating for any crimes. Sometime during the sequence of crimes, the lead investigator said that, to his best recollection, he had two conversations with Miss Dubois. It seemed to him that Miss Dubois was trying to get information from him, but the only information she suggested was one statement that was totally incorrect, stating she thought the suspect was a transient and left the state. The California thing. Right. So... I don't know. Mm. <laughs> uh, another case she claims to have helped was in an abduction of six-year-old Opal Jennings from Tarrant County, Texas, in March of 1999. She states, Allison states, that she was called to working on the case by the Texas Rangers, but they deny her involvement. Then she worked for a disappearance of a 19-year-old woman named Jackie Hartman, and that was in Gilbert, Arizona, late January 2007. Unfortunately, though, Allison went on to the Oprah Winfrey show to talk about the case. She apparently did little to actually move the case forward, and that is claimed by Jackie's own father, Dave Hartman. Oh, no. Yeah. However, as we've already gone over, those agencies either refuse to, I'm sorry, refuse to comment on the topic, deny her involvement, or state that she was unable to give any actually good information. Yeah. Um, so, mm. Allison states, quote, I'll get an open-minded detective who will have a boss who isn't open-minded. It's yeah. political. There's a lot of checks and balances involved. She also goes on to say, I just want to give you my information. I don't like having to jump through all the hoops of the bureaucracy of it, end quote. Hmm. So, I don't know. As a police department, would you willingly say we had a psychic medium help us get this information? I cannot see that ever happening. No. It's no. just, it's so out there that so many people would be yeah. like, uh, this demands a retrial. This is yeah. not real evidence. Yeah. That's All these exactly kinds of things. what I'd be worried about. Yeah. Yeah. So who knows? Even if she did help, like, it sucks that no one would say it, but yeah. whatever. It just makes her look like she's discredited if she did in fact help. I don't mm-hmm. know. After that... Like, all of the cases I said that she, quote, helped. After that, she got more traction and then got a plethora of people reaching out to her to help solve their murders. Though I'm not sure if it was, like, family members that were like, hey, my daughter's been gone for six years. Please help me find her. Like, my son was shot down and, like, nothing's happening. Or if it was law enforcement reaching out to her. It wasn't clear as to who was reaching out to her. Either way, she was over it. She said that she didn't like working on such traumatic cases, Stating, in fact, quote, I got to the point where I got so depressed, it was very hard to live in that dark place for so long, end quote. So she stepped back from that type of work and went back to her, you know, just talking to dead people. Right. Because that seems very uplifting. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Despite all the criticism or doubt that she's received for her abilities, she is obviously popular. There's, like, a huge fan base that, like, follows her. She has a fucking TV show about her. So, I mean, she has some kind of something going on that's including um i was reading through some of her she has a website and she has a what are they called you know when people like 
testimonials. Oh. Okay. There were some testimonials, such as one from a University of Arizona professor who swears that Allison's legit, and you can find it on her website, everything. There's, like, so many people. Nice. Right? She's written several books, like I said. 2000... I'm not going to list all of these. No. Mm-mm. Uh, you can go to her website. She's been writing books since 2005. She just released one in 2020. So nice. if you're into that, I think it's more so like her autobiography kind of a thing. Yeah. Anyways, she also has her own podcast called The Dead Life with Alison Dubois, where do you, she... Do you un- listen to it? No. Oh. Don't laugh. <laughs> I'm sorry. It doesn't sound interesting to me. Uh, she basically teaches about her abilities and interviews people who also have insight into the afterlife. So they basically just sit there and talk about, like, um, being mediums. Yeah, being mediums. And, like, how does it work for you? And how what do you see? And all these things. At least that's what I could understand from reading the synapses on her website. It doesn't sound like this is something that I would be into listening to. But sure. if you are, I told you what it's called. Uh, you can obviously check out her website. It's just alisondubois.com. And if you're interested in learning more, like I said, the Phoenix New Times website had so much information. Cool. That's it. I, I don't. I feel it. like that wasn't a lot. No, you're good. I like it. Yeah. That's crazy. Isn't it? Do you think she's legit? I think so. Yeah. How would she have gained... How could she have gained so much... Ten- oh my gosh. She got a lot of traction. Yeah. Enough popularity and like word spread to have a tv show about her of a medium helping police officers she obviously did something yeah because otherwise like other off like i can't imagine her just going to police departments and being like tell me what you have oh yeah i totally agree with that we get her a tv show yeah if anything they'd be making fun of her yeah i don't know good point what do you think i i agree with that yeah yeah i wish she was a little more Spot on with some stuff, but I, I can't do any of that. So <laughs> she got me beat. That's true. I also want to warn you guys: it's nine o'clock. So if you hear any booms, just fireworks. Yeah. Okay. Somewhat similar to yours, there's some threads in here that are gonna resonate with your story. Um, cool. I'm talking about the man who is regarded as the first ghost hunter in America. Yes. Uh, his name is Hans Holzer. Hans was Hans Holzer. He died in 2009. Uh, but <laughs> his daughter is also a ghost hunter. I'll talk about her a little bit, kind of. And you can find all of his, well, I don't know, continuances of some of his investigations on Travel Channel on Holster Files. Nice. Which I love. I know. I'm obsessed. I know. Um, so Hans Holzer was born in Vienna and he developed an interest in the supernatural from his uncle henry who would tell him all these stories about ghosts and all kinds of things like that yeah he studied archaeology ancient history and numismatics at the university of vienna but he left austria for new york with his family in 1938 just before the nazi takeover oh after studying japanese at columbia uh mr holzer indulged in an infatuation with the theater uh that was in the 50s a master's degree in comparative religion and a doctorate in parapsychology at the London College of Applied Science and went on to teach parapsychology at the New York Institute of Technology, which nice. is pretty badass. Yep. In 1962, he married the Countess Catherine Genevieve Buxhoveden. 
That is a name. Mm-hmm. Nice. <laughs> uh, they ended up getting divorced, but he oh. has two daughters. And as of this article that this information came from, five grandkids. Oh. Yeah, pretty cool. So I'm going to warn you, and Sammy knows this, there's not a lot of information on him. And I, like, every article I found was the same article that was printed uh, when he died. And yeah. it just kind of skims over some stuff. Yeah. But it's pretty much, like, every news outlet, like, reprinted the same article. And that shit drives me nuts. Yeah. Like, I've read this verbatim before, like, eight times. Yeah. So I tried to get more information from some more primary sources via email and was kindly shut down. Yeah. Uh, when that happened. But... I'll give you what I can. It's going to be kind of a short one for me. So, like I said, he was obviously into ghost hunting. He was the first known ghost hunters with modern techniques that, you know, we see that we saw the Warrens use. But he was interested in a lot more than that. And he wrote a ton of books, which reflect the diversity of his worldview. Let's see. He has books on witchcraft, reincarnation, astrology, ESP, extraterrestrials, the death of Kurt Cobain. So um, he's like, I'm going to zero topics. in on Kurt Cobain. Literally. He has a whole book about it. That's a good one to zero in on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there, I mean, there's way more than that. That's just like a handful of things. So according to Hans, there were only three dirty words, and those were belief, disbelief, and supernatural, which is kind of cool. To him, the word supernatural implied something that was outside the realm of science, while his studies of the paranormal were what he believed uh, to be extremely scientific. Yeah, well within that. Right. Belief, on the other hand, is, quote, the uncritical acceptance of something you can't prove, and I work on evidence. Which is kind of cool. I do like that. I do, too. He believed wholeheartedly in ghost aliens, like, everything along that spectrum. He he didn't consider it believing in that. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. This exists. Yeah. Like, it's not a matter of, like, whether it does or whether it doesn't, or whether... Yeah, it's not like God. Right. Exactly. So, similarly, he was a Wiccan high priest. And, uh... What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> but he rejected most organized religions as corporations that made their money by, quote, scaring the hell out of their congregants. I can agree with that. For him, ghosts, witchcraft, psychic phenomena weren't scary. They were things to be understood that we didn't quite understand, and that's why people were scared of it. Right. It's, it's unknown. His most famous case was his study of the Amityville Horror House, which is, as we've said before, located on Ocean Avenue in Amityville, New York. So in 1974, um, just a recap of that whole story, 23-year-old Ronald DeFeo Jr. killed six members of his family in this house. Uh, he died recently. In 1975, a new family moved in, and they only stayed 28 days before they claimed that they had been driven out by the ghosts. Their accounts became the basis of the 1977 book by Jay Anson called The Amityville Horror, which claimed to tell a true story. That same year, Hans Holzer investigated the house with the help of a medium named Ethel Johnson Myers, who he would investigate a ton of places with. They were, you know, partners in uh, this old venture. While they were there, he believed a lot in spirit photography, and he took a whole bunch of pictures of the bullet holes from the murder that seemed to display mysterious halos to huh. him in his photos. 
Ethel claimed that she channeled the spirit of a Native American chief of the Shinnecock tribe named, quote, Rolling Thunder, who told her that the house was built on a Native American burial ground, as is every place. Yeah, literally. That account was disputed by the Amityville Historical Society, who pointed out that there were a lot of inconsistencies with some of the things she said, but uh, if there were any kind of burial ground, it would have been of the Montauk people, not the Shinnecocks, who were the original inhabitants of that land. So, Hans Holzer wrote several books just on the Amityville case. His first was the 1979 nonfiction book, Murder in Amityville, which became the basis for the first sequel to the movie, The Amityville Horror. He wrote two more books on the subject, 1981's The Amityville Curse and The Secret of Amityville in 1985, and the former of those two, so the one he wrote in 1981, was adapted into the fifth installment of the Amityville Horror film series. Huh. I had no idea. I think that's kind of cool. That is super cool. <laughs> um, so I want to talk about Ethel Johnson Myers a little bit. She was a former opera singer which is kind of cool and Damn. was a trance medium and her control which if you're a trance medium you have a control and that is a person who like comes in and uses your body to become that kind of bridge between the living and the dead mm-hmm. um her control was her dead husband who was a musician named albert he died when his pharmacist made a mistake with his medicine and poisoned him Ew. um ethel was so upset about this that she was ready to literally just off herself right there she's like i don't want to be here without you so i'm just gonna do this and she says that albert came to her and stopped her from doing that and told her that if she killed herself she wouldn't be with him just the opposite would happen and it would separate them for forever yeah he told her that there was another way they could be together and ethel went to a psychiatrist which went about as well as you would think but surprisingly he suggested that she contact a dude named jb ryan and soon after that uh, she did that and found herself at the american society for psychical research which eventually led to her becoming a full-fledged medium whenever she went into a trance albert would appear but this was like super bittersweet because she would pretty much go unconscious when this happened so she wouldn't remember anything from it, which was sad for her because her whole thing was like, I want to stay connected to him. Right. Every time he comes into the picture, she goes unconscious and doesn't remember it. Um, so pretty bittersweet there. Hans Holzer spent more time with Albert than Ethel did, which was sad. Yeah. Even though his spirit was inside her, somehow it used her body in order to communicate with whoever like was requiring his afterlife services he was as far apart from ethel as the day that he died which is sad that's super sad yeah just to wrap it up a little bit i totally recommend going and watching the holzer files for more on this but they reinvestigate a lot of his big cases and i didn't want to name off like random houses that nobody would know but uh they do go back to the whaley house Mm-hmm. Which is cool. And in the show, they play excerpts from... He, like, recorded everything. And they mm-hmm. just play excerpts of that. And it's super interesting. Uh, the Surratt Tavern, which is where John Wilkes Booth first went after he assassinated Lincoln. Franklin Castle and the Queen Mary. 
Queen Mary was really, really interesting. That's one of my favorite episodes. And you can also, there's a whole series on, uh, I think it's called Darkness Radio, which is a podcast that is done by the people who host Holster Files, and they've been doing it for decades and decades. And uh, it used to be like a damn radio show. Yeah. And that's a podcast. But they do a whole series on him, and like they go in depth on their um, different holster file shows and just parts that didn't make the the show so super cool 10 out of 10 recommend yeah weren't you telling me that there's one where they like had another medium go in or something and so they're both like talking about like things that they experienced was it queen mary yeah so they had on the show they had the queen mary has like a resident medium oh that's and then this team on the holster files they have their own medium who comes to everything Mm-hmm. So yeah, they chit chatted and uh, it was super on the super podcast, and they were like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, one of them was like, "I don't know, I'm getting this really weird thing that I've never heard about before in any like history of this." And the other medium was like, "I have felt that same thing, and it felt weird to me too, so I've never really brought it up." That's so crazy. Isn't that cool? Hans's daughter Alexandra or Alex, she has a website that you can go to, and it's called Daughter of the Paranormal. She will do readings for you. Ooh. She has a couple of books, and you can go on different hunts with her. She's on The Holster Files quite a bit and talks about her dad. And, yeah, 10 out of 10 recommend that as well. So How crazy would it be to have be like, hey, this is my father? Oh, she has all kinds of interviews that you can read that are exactly that. So and crazy. people are asking, like, what was your childhood like? She's like, it was weird. Um, she <laughs> talked <laughs> I was expecting you to be like, ah, it was fine. It was a normal childhood. No. No, she's talking about, like, career day, how that kind of sucked. Oh. (laughs) Like, gifts, like, gift exchanges at school. Her mom would be like, bring one of your dad's books. Hundreds of books. And she's like, I really don't want to do that. Because ghost hunting was fucking weird back then. It wasn't wasn't cool like it is today. Right. Yeah. What's the weird thing now that's going to be cool in, like, ten years, do you think? I don't know. I don't know. Aliens, probably. It's not quite cool yet. It's never going to be cool. Aliens are terrifying. That is the one thing that I will refuse to accept because if I accept it, that means it is going to happen to me. (laughs) I saw a TikTok the other day that talked about like how little humans can actually see. Like we're pretty blind Mm -hmm. when you look at like all the various spectrums of light and we can only see like this tiny portion of visible light right and like what cats can see in the dark and like yeah fucking bats are you using echolocation like right and this (laughs) this tiktok was talking about how aliens could like survive on like a different plane of spectrum the uv spectrum so they could just be like all around us like in Uh. our house all the time we would have no idea we're blind to it (laughs) maybe that's what ghosts are they're just aliens. Stop. <laughs> we are not talking about this anymore. Oh, shit. Well, that's what I got. <laughs> I love it. I have a little side banter. Do we have time for it? Yeah. I was thinking about the Amityville house, obviously, like people do. And I remembered that it was on Ocean Avenue because we talk about it a lot. And I'm like, Ocean Avenue, why does that ring a bell? Just many songs. One song in particular that I thought about was Yellow Card. Have you heard the song? It was very popular for Uh our age. Um, So the lyrics are very interesting. Have you looked into the lyrics? No. It goes about, like, the first part is just, like, there's a place off Ocean Avenue where I used to sit and talk with you. We were both 16 and I felt so right. Blah, blah, blah. Then it says, 
there's a place on the corner of Cherry Street. We would walk on the beach and on bare feet. We were both 18 and it felt so right. I looked at the victims of the Amityville horror. One of the girls was 18. Mm-hmm. Who died. Yeah. He stops at, we were 18. Mm-hmm. And then he says, if I can find you now, things would get better. Mm-hmm. I'm convinced that Ocean Avenue by Yellow Card is about the Amityville Horror House. Also, because I looked up the address, 112 Ocean Avenue, mm-hmm. is literally a nine-minute drive to a place, Cherry Street, in Amityville, New York, that is literally right next to a creek where... I guess you can be considered a beach. Or if you go the other direction, it's like an actual, like, little lake. Hmm. And they're right off, like, it's in New York, so they're like a hop, skip, and a jump from the fucking ocean anyways. Yeah. I'm just saying. That's, I'm convinced. Have you Googled it? No. I'm just going off of my own madness. Let me see. Uh, The song finds the Florida natives reminiscing over their early days when they hung out on Ocean Boulevard in Jacksonville's Atlantic Beach. I like wine better. (laughs) No shit. I think (laughs) low-key, they were writing about something else, but like we said, back in the day, back in the early 2000s, ghosty stuff wasn't popular. To guarantee you, whoever their writer is was like, I heard this crazy story. (laughs) We're going to talk about it and no one's going to know and I solved it. (laughs) <laughs> that's it that's what I i've been thinking it. about totally for weeks and i finally just looked it up 100 percent. totes believe it anyways i love it <laughs> you got anything else uh no okay surprisingly i do not cool you can find us on instagram at who knew podcast or you can email us at who knew podcast 666 at com. um and we have a patreon if you're interested in that so indeed that is that that is that. Anybody want to say bye? No, they're all fucking knocked out. I'm so annoyed. <laughs> I cannot wait to play video games later. Yeah. Stay up all night playing video games. That's okay. my favorite. Yep. You guys have fun. Stay safe. See you next week. 